Let's go over to John chapter 4 as we finish out our Seek series. And have you had a good time? I've, had, I've enjoyed everybody's testimonies and seeing the changes in people's life and, you know, just the uh, more light that you get from the Word and uh, just had some marvelous uh, times in the presence of the Lord. And the, the presence of the Lord is refreshing. Isaiah 28, 11 says, uh, With stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people, wherewith he'll cause the weary to rest. This is the rest, this is the refreshing. So, you know, even um, yielding your tongue to pray in the Spirit is rest and refreshing. If you've got like stressful days, stressful weeks, things going on, uh, you need to take some time and yield your tongue to the Holy Spirit and pray in other tongues. Why? Well, uh, you edify yourself, Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, but besides that, uh, you build yourself up on your most holy faith, Jude verse 20, and besides that, uh, this is the rest and this is the refreshing. And so you're not designed, Jesus never planned, uh, he didn't say like, okay, when I leave, you're just on your own and, and I did all these wonderful things and when we all get to heaven, everything's going to be great and wonderful and you'll be free and you'll love it, but you got to endure all this now on the earth. No. Do you have to endure? Well, that depends on your definition of enduring because yes, the Bible talks about enduring. James talks about enduring, but we don't endure as defeated individuals. We endure as those that are more than conquerors. And that endurance, the testing of your faith, which God never sends a test or a trial your way, that's the enemy. That James is very clear on that, that those tests and those trials are not coming from God. Those are coming from the enemy to test your faith. Is it pure or is it fake? Is it, a, is it a, like a, King James says it, your unfeigned faith? What does that mean? Your unfake faith. There's no falseness in your faith. And so sometimes you have to examine your faith and find out, is this really faith or is this just head knowledge or mentally, okay, yeah, I see that, I know that. Maybe you've never been in that position. I think most people have, but where you're, you're reading the word and you're kind of like, okay, I, 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 I see it and you're understanding it here, but you know you're not getting it in your heart because and, and, that's where faith comes from. Okay, John chapter four, and we'll start with um, verse... Nine. Then said the woman of Samaria unto him, Jesus had come to uh, 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 Jacob's well here. Then said the woman of Samaria unto him, how is it that you being a Jew uh, ask drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that says to you, give me drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. He would have given you living water. And so he doesn't even directly answer her question. Don't you love it? I love it when the Lord does that. You know, and I, I didn't understand a lot of things of the Spirit. And so I... Uh, got filled with the Holy Spirit and had a, uh, man, I had a hunger to get filled and that's how I got filled. And then I had a hunger like, whoa, what is this? I want to understand this more. And so I was in a denominational church and I was sneaking off to a non-denominational church because I was a little still apprehensive about some of these things. <laughs> and so I snuck off to this church and um, when I went to this church, uh, they said, uh, you know, this, uh, we got a guest speaker coming in a few months and they had pictures of him and he was a really old guy, like really old guy. Well, growing up always, uh, my grandfather um, actually uh, passed away from Alzheimer's disease and uh, we didn't know about healing and stuff like that growing up. And, but uh, my grandmother uh, needed to take, uh, she was caring for him all the time. 
And so on Monday nights, I would uh, go and uh, for two or three hours, I would go and care for my grandfather so my grandmother could get a break and do all that type of stuff. And um, I don't know, I just grew up and always loved talking to uh, older people and the wisdom that they would have and all of that. So I saw this picture of this older uh, minister coming and I thought, I don't know who that is, but he looks like he would know a lot. <laughs> and so I went and I show up and it was a man by the name of Kenneth Hagin and who I didn't know. Uh, and uh, they had like, Eli, like this whole group and, and brass players and keyboardists. I don't like, you know, I grew up in a smaller church. And so this was different uh, to me. And um, so to make a long story short, there was a lot of uh, demonstrations of the spirit that night. And I was a little bit um, um, inexperienced in those things. And so I didn't know what was going on. And uh, Pastor Mark's dad always says, you know, you need to have some services where you have to explain it to the visitors. Do you understand? Like, well, like, well, what's going on? Can you explain this? What's happening? Yeah. You know, it happened a few weeks, a couple weeks ago here, and we're still getting testimonies from those services uh, where people just, uh, man, stuff broke off people's lives. It's wonderful. Anyhow, uh, so I went home and I said to the Lord, like, was this of you or was this of the devil? See how little I knew, right? So people fell out in the spirit and they're praying for eyes to be healed, eyes be healed, eyes be healed. And I remember sitting there, I'm thinking. Uh, they, like, believe that the Bible is true, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, now you look back and you think, of course, you know, why would you only believe part of it and not the other part? Um, but, I mean, he's talking about the power of God's, like, electricity and, you know, it can be transmitted and transferred. And so he, like, actually, to be honest with you, that is one of the most pivotal meetings I have been in in my entire life. Uh, and that was, the, that was the first night of a two-week uh, series of meetings. And the reason for me personally is because uh, he got up that night and he began to prophesy. I didn't know what prophesying was. He began to speak under the inspiration of the Spirit at the moment. So prophecy is inspired utterance on the spur of the moment. In other words, it's not like something the Lord gave you before. It is now. It is fresh. It is living. And it is uh, applicable. And so he got, began to prophesy. And he said, you know, um, that the whole, this is a turning point in your life. And the decisions that you make tonight will affect the whole course of your life. If you choose to go forward with God, then you'll enter into the blessing of the Lord. And if you choose to go a different direction, then like destruction will overtake you. Well, I didn't even understand he was prophesying. I just thought, oh. And then he said, if you'd like to go forward with the Lord, I want you to physically get out of your seat. And I want you to come forward as a physical demonstration of an inward decision that you have made. And so, of course, most people in the auditorium got out of their seats and came forward, and I was one. And so when I came, and he said, be blessed, man, the power of God came out of him. And people just fell out right in front of me like a, like a, like a spiral. Actually, first before that, there's a crowd, and he said, be blessed. And it was, it was amazing. Whole crowd of people, nobody's standing in a line, but a perfect line of people fell out only right there when he said that. And then like this, be blessed. Well, there's things of the Spirit. Anyhow, that's another subject. And so I, want to get, I wasn't going to tell you that for the sake of time, but I had to tell it so you'd understand. So I'm home in my apartment. And then when I'm in my apartment, I'm kind of like having it out with the Lord. You know, I'm kind of like, oh, what was that? Like, I've never seen anything like that, you know, and is that right? You know, and so it's really a battle between my head and my spirit. Because my spirit was like, yeah. But my head was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What is this? We don't understand this. We don't know this. So we are rejecting this. 
And uh, so I talked to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to me just like Jesus spoke to this woman at the well of Samaria. You know what he said? I said, Lord, was this of you or was this of the devil? And he said, go back tomorrow morning. And if you still have trouble with it, then I'll talk to you. Well, he didn't give me an answer right then that I wanted. But you know what happened? I went back. And the minister got up, Kenneth Hagin got up. And he began to read scriptures on prayer. Scripture after scripture. And I had never seen those scriptures with that much understanding or that much light. They came alive to me. He was feeding my spirit. It's like, like Paul says in uh, Corinthians uh, uh, that we quoted last week. Um, I call it spirit to spirit ministry. The natural mind cannot receive the things of the spirit because they are spiritually discerned. 1 Corinthians 2.12. But a natural mind or a soulish mind does not accept the things of the spirit of God for they are foolishness to him. And he cannot understand them because they are spiritually apprised. This translation says, another translation says, spiritually discerned or understood. So if you try to grab hold of spiritual understanding with a natural mind, you'll say, that is crazy. That makes no sense, right? So that's what my mind was doing. But as soon as I had the scripture for it, what happened? The entrance of your words brings light or revelation or understanding. So as soon as his words gained entrance into my spirit, in other words, I, could, I had light and understanding from the Lord, well, then I was like, oh, it's all there. And you guys, a lot of you know my testimony. I Bible quizzed when I was a kid for like three or four years. And so some of the scriptures he was reading was James because one of the quiz years we did was Romans and James. And so he is talking about the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. And I had memorized that verse here, but not here. I notice when I listen to people that are preaching under the anointing and they, they read scriptures under the anointing, I know them here and I never have to try to memorize them. I just know them. In other words, when you get revelation knowledge from the word of God, it is there. And if you try to access it through here, you'll have difficulty. So to this day, I, because now I've learned more to flow with the spirit of God, uh, I could quote to you many scriptures, but I don't quote them from here. I quote them from here. If I try to go back and say, okay, in Bible quizzing, we learned uh, Romans 1.16. Like right now I'm trying to do that. It's really hard for me to access it. Because it's a mental, a mental thing versus a heart thing. You remember the rich man in Lazarus? He died. And in hell, he lifted up his eyes. He said, remember that you in your life. So your memory actually goes with you. Anyhow, it's a whole other subject. So the woman at the well of Samaria, Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that says to you, give me drink, because he had just said, give me a drink, right? Because he's thirsty and he didn't have anything to draw with. And she's there. She shows up and Jesus says, give me a drink. And she said, you know, uh, how is it that you being a Jew are asking me of, uh, for a drink because I'm a woman of Samaria for the Jews don't have dealings with the Samaritans. And Jesus answered and said to her, because why? Jesus is after her heart. Do you understand? Jesus is after your heart and my heart. Amen. If he has your heart, everything else follows through. But if he doesn't have your heart, he is not going to force you to receive him or receive his blessing. There's a whole lot of people that just want to be adamant uh, that 
uh, God does not heal today. Well, he's not going to force them to believe or to receive. You know, like the fellow I talk about sometimes said to me, now, if healing is for today, how come I don't see it in my church? And I said, uh, well, do they pray for people to be healed at your church? Well, no. And I said, uh, do they teach about healing being for today in your church? No. And I said, well, then why would you expect to see healing occur in your church? Because they don't believe it. And these signs shall follow them that believe. As many as believed him, to them he gave the right to be the children of God. It is about believing. And do you know what believing is? Believing is the verb of faith. You know, faith is a noun, believe is the verb. It's both the same Greek word, pistis and pistio. And so to believe is actually the action of faith. And so we are believers. Jim Hockaday says, uh, believers believe and tiggers bounce. Right? If you're a tigger, you bounce. That's what you do. You bounce. So if you're a believer, you believe. And so if you're a believer and you're trying to get yourself uh, to believe, you're in the wrong position. You believe automatically. Like you are a believer. You are one that believes. And so if you say, well, I just have to believe that. No, no. You just decide. What, what, is, what, what is faith? Wow. Praise the Lord. I wasn't going to go here. So faith, faith is turning to the lordship of Jesus Christ through the word of God. Faith is believing the word, the person of the word, the word, right? In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. So Jesus said, have faith in God, right? Mark eleven twenty two. 22, have faith in God. And so uh, in order to do that, I think where we have missed it sometimes is we leave out because some, some denominations uh, just, just um, you know, like human flesh actually uh, gets off track so easily. Like ex human flesh loves extremes. Extreme legalism or there is no anything. You could do whatever you want, right? Just, just, just like pulled extremes. It's amazing to me that flesh is drawn to legalism because it's so hard to live a legalistic life. Like you, basically you live with a constant consciousness of failure. Because you're trying to do all of the things that the Bible talks about in your own strength and your own power instead of uh, sitting back and living free. I remember Brother Higgin always told this story back in the 30s uh, of this, uh, oh, maybe, you know what? I might have, I'm going to go to the Library of Congress, I think, and I'm going to find this story. And you probably have, have actually uh, scanned it in or whatever. Anyhow, um, so because I looked on newspapers, I tried to find it, and she does some stuff there that, you know, anyhow. And so uh, when they used to have these big blimps uh, during World War I, uh, there was this blimp in Akron, Ohio, and they were trying to moor it down, tie it down, and, and all these men are trying to do it. Well, a wind came up in the middle of them doing this, and it got away from them. And so a lot of those guys, as soon as they realized it's getting away from us, they dropped well, the thing is getting higher and higher. And so then people kept dropping. Now they're breaking legs and having all these kind of difficulties. And it finally got high enough that people are falling off and they are being killed because they can't control it. You know, they, it's, it's got up in the air. But there's one guy, one guy, and he's on there. And all these people below are watching this man dangling up there. And they're like full of fear, like, oh, I don't want to watch. I don't want to see him fall. But, you know, then the flesh, you want people watch, you know. And so... 
um, finally, they're able to get the thing under control. It comes down, and the man stayed on the entire time. Hours and hours and hours. And they're interviewing him afterwards. They said, how did you do this? How did you have strength to do that? And he said, well, he said, I was up there and I noticed I saw I'm too, too high to jump off. If I jump off, I'm going to get hurt or kill myself. So I pulled myself up higher on the rope and I swung the rope around with the other hand and grabbed it here and I tied it on and made a loop. And so I was just sitting up there enjoying the scenery. <laughs> But other people are stressed out for this man. Like, oh, he's going to die. He's going to die. But he is living free. <laughs> and so that's how we're supposed to live. Like we wrap ourselves in the promises of God and swing free. Amen. In the midst of turmoil and destruction or whatever else is happening. The word of God is like a lifeline. And the word of God actually gives us a solid, solid ground. Actually more solid than the ground that's under your feet or under my feet. Uh, this could be shaken. Like we had an earthquake how many years ago? I don't remember how many years ago. But anyhow, messed up the Washington Monument, a bunch of other stuff. But the word of God is solid, solid, solid. In fact, the word of God will endure when the elements that make up this earth are melted away and dissolved, the word will still endure forever. Amen. So what does that mean? If you live your life based on the word, you're living on eternal realities. Eternal realities. So Jesus is directing this woman who is a natural woman thinking natural thoughts to spiritual eternal things. She's saying, okay, you're worried about like drinking physical water to quench your thirst now. I'm talking about something that's going to change you 100% from the inside out. That will change you for all eternity. That will change your existence. That will change your relation to all of these natural things. Because now you are not coming as one that is uh, under the dominion of the kingdom of the world. But you are coming as one that has already conquered the world through Jesus Christ. Do you understand? Okay. So she said, uh, sir... You don't have anything to draw with. See, she's still thinking what? Natural. Well, you could see your own picture here sometimes, or maybe just let's say a better way, better way for you to receive it. You could think of someone else. <laughs> the woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From where do you have that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank himself and his children and his cattle? Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water, natural water, the water that's in this natural well, will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never thirst. Think about that. Never thirst. Uh, notice he said, whoever doesn't say whoever comes to this well of water, but whoever drinks of this water. Because you may say like, well, I still feel kind of thirsty, even spiritually. Well, you got to drink of this water. You have to take this water in. You have to drink and be satisfied with this water. Remember Jesus on the great day of the feast, uh, John chapter 7? He stood up and said, the Bible says, with a loud voice. Whoever is thirsty, let him come unto me and drink. You know, that's the Feast of Tabernacles. 
So, uh, you know, where they uh, had dwelling places for God in the wilderness. And so the Feast of Tabernacles, so they get up there and then they would have these huge, huge uh, vats of water uh, at the top of the temple stairs. And then they would take those vats of water and at the appropriate time in the feast, they would spill all of those out at the same time. And when they spill them all out at the same time, water would cascade down the steps. Boom, 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 boom. As signifying the coming of the Spirit of God, the outpouring of God's Spirit. And so I, I would love to, like, if they have movies in heaven, I want to see that movie. Because, like, just like seeing Jesus there and saying, you know, this is that. You know, this is the outpouring of the Spirit. This is the whole thing we're talking about. This is why I'm coming to, to, to uh, redeem you so that I can come in by my Spirit and live on the inside of you. Well, he's going to live. Live. Well, if he's going to live on the inside of you, what does that mean? Well, if I come to live at your house, whose house should I pick? Right? If I come to live at your house, I'm going to come to live at your house. Okay? So, but with me comes my wife and four little children. Do you know how much stuff four little children have? I mean, they have a lot of stuff. I mean, I remember thinking when, before we had kids, like it was easy to go on a trip. You just kind of get in the car and you leave your suitcase and go. You get the kids and you're like, especially when they're young like, like yours because then you got to, well, what about a pack and play? And what about like a, the car seat's huge and all this stuff? So in order for me to come to your house, uh, we're going to have to get rid of all of your stuff so there's room for my stuff. <laughs> So Jesus said, I will live in them, right? And I will dwell in them. In other words, if he's going to be able to express his life through you, you're going to have to get rid of some of your stuff to make room for his stuff. And, you know, he has a lot of stuff. So you're not going to be able to contain all of that and hold on to all of your own stuff. So faith, if you're going to act in faith, faith by its very definition, if you're going to turn to Christ, that means you're turning away from yourself. That means you're turning away from the world. That means you're turning away from anxious thoughts and anxiety and stresses and all this other stuff. You have to let that go. You know, uh, Philippians chapter 4 says... Um, Casting all of your cares upon the Lord, right? Do not fret or have any anxiety about anything. Yes. Mm -hmm. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace that passes all understanding will flood and guard your hearts and minds. Mm -hmm. Now, I've thought on that for a long time because that's an area where I really have to pay attention. Yeah. And so, um, uh, a couple weeks ago, Melody and I were ministering to somebody, and I don't remember who it was even. Maybe it, made it, maybe it was you. I don't know. Uh, so we're reading that, and Melody says, uh, but you notice what verse 5 says? And I thought, why is she bringing up verse 5? <laughs> you know what verse 5 says? Rejoice. Rejoice evermore. Right before verse 6. Do you know what? As soon as she said that, I was like, oh, I have had situations in my life where I made the mistake of getting stressed and, and anxious, and I was so like... Uh, um, what is that called? Knotted up on the inside, you know, so stressed about it that, you know, you're like, okay, Lord, I just cast this care on you. And you're like, <gasps> for every breath, you're trying to cast this care. But the only thing that really set me free is I began to rejoice. Amen. 
I began just to praise the Lord. And then the power of that thing, it just lost its power. I must be doing something really funny. And so it lost its power over me. And so uh, you rejoice. If you're having trouble, then you just start, how do you rejoice? You know what? Brother Hagin, one time he had, a, after he was healed of those three incurable diseases, then he was in his, uh, his half of his face became paralyzed and he couldn't, he'd smile and he'd go to one, one side and stuff like that, he'd say. And, uh, so um, he would just start laughing. Do you know you could just start laughing? Why? Because God is, is my, is everything okay? Okay. And because God is the victor. The pastor I used to help out in Michigan, his zipper would be down like all the time. So you had to like try to help him. So I'm thinking like, what, what is wrong? What is wrong? What is wrong? And um, <laughs> he'd be like, pastor, he's like at the pulpit. And you're kind of like, and he's like, what are you doing? You know, like your zipper is down. Okay. It's like a church of like, you have three or 4,000 people there, you know, you're trying to do it discreetly and you know. <laughs> Nothing else works. You get his wife to go up and stand, and he'll turn around, and you will like, oh, okay. Because she'll whisper and say, hey, um, you have a problem. And so, <laughs> where was I? So, so you have to start laughing. God sits in the heavens and laughs. Jesus had the oil of joy, it says, above his fellows in the King James. What does that mean? That means over every person on the earth, Jesus was more joyous. Like, who's the happiest person you can think of? Who's the happiest person you know? Jesus was happier. So what are we doing with a sad face? Like, uh, like uh, you know, if uh, you're in heaven and God tells a joke... Well, you're just going to laugh out of courtesy, even if you don't understand it. <laughs> you know, in the medical world, they actually have done these studies about laughing and the benefits of laughing. And they found out that a fake laugh is just as physically beneficial as a healthy laugh, which both are very beneficial. And what happens is sometimes you have to start out and it doesn't feel like it, but you're like, ha, ha, ha. You know, because the devil kept telling him, you're not going to get your healing. You got your healing before. You're not going to get it this time. You got it before. And he said, ha, ha. And the devil said to him in his mind, why are you laughing? He said, because I'm not trying to get my healing. I already have it. That's good. I'm not going to get it. It's already mine. He said, ha, ha. You know, so sometimes you just have to laugh. You rejoice and that'll bust that power over you. Because what happens? You ever notice it's like getting in a rut on a muddy road. That you, you just, uh, you get stressed and upset and all of a sudden you're going that direction. You know you're going that direction. You know you should not be going that direction. But the harder you try, the more you go that direction. Well, you need to rejoice and you need to laugh because the power of that praise will actually set you free. It'll actually change whatever physiological thing uh, is, is gripping you at that moment so that you can actually look to the Lord and hear from the Lord and you live free. So you wrap yourself in the promises of God and you live free. One of them is the peace of God which passes all understanding will flood your heart and your mind through Jesus Christ. Do you know what that's like? 
Well, another translation says that it's like uh, the peace of God will come in like a garrison of soldiers into a turbulent country and quiet you. In other words, you've got a country, a lot of, well, what's going to happen? Somebody's going to shoot me. There's going to be a bomb. There's going to be this, that, or whatever. But then the friendly forces come in and flood all around. And everything that you thought, I don't even know if I'm going to make it through the day. All of a sudden now, you're surrounded with protection on every side. And so the peace of God, man, if you receive the peace of God that he has poured into your heart by turning away from all of these anxious things, all of the, the schedule, the pressing, you have to do this, this has to be done, maybe it does, but why don't you take five or ten minutes and you turn away from everything else. You seek first the kingdom of God, the person of God, the righteousness of God. And you, you know, Brother Higgins used to say, I, he said, I would like draw an imaginary circle around me and God. So in other words, it doesn't matter what's happening outside here. It doesn't matter what other people are thinking, what other people are saying, how other people are living. I am looking to you, Lord, right now. It's you and me. And so I look to you. And you do that from your spirit. And so uh, Jesus is trying to tell her, uh, you keep thinking natural thoughts, but this is not a natural thing I'm talking to you about. This is a supernatural thing. So this life is beyond natural. This is actually Zoe. And this is what God lives off of. And this is what Jesus lived off of. And this is what a believer lives off of if they are believing, active in believing. Verse 23, the hour comes and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeks such to worship him. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And then we'll just uh, quickly go over to John chapter 6 and verse 35. Well, uh, first, verse 32. Then Jesus said unto them, uh, Verily, verily, I say to you, Moses gave you not the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. Again, Jesus is going to talk to them. They're looking natural. Jesus is talking supernatural. For the bread of God is he which comes down from heaven and gives life, or the Greek word is zoe, the life and nature of God, unto the world. And they said unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life, or zoe. He that comes to me will never hunger, and he that believes on me will never thirst. And then over to verse 47. Verily I say unto you, he that believes on me has everlasting life, or zoe. I am the bread of life, or zoe. Your fathers ate manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread that comes from heaven that a man may eat from that and never die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world, or for the same Greek word, zoe, of the world. 
Therefore, they kind of like, what are you, what is he saying? Then Jesus said to them, verse 53, I say to you, except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no zoe or no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood uh, has eternal zoe or eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eats my flesh and drinks my blood lives in me, and I in him. As the Father has sent me, and I live by the Father, so he that eats me, even he shall live by me. Now they did the same thing as the woman at the well of Samaria, and they're like, you know, it says actually a lot of people left him after this. Because they're thinking, like, I'm going to physically eat his flesh and physically drink his blood? You know, they're probably thinking, what kind of cult is this? But Jesus, you notice John chapter 4, John chapter 5, John chapter 6, John chapter 7. Every time we're thinking natural as humans and he's saying spiritual. In other words, if you don't take in the very fact that by the stripes that were laid on his body and the suffering that his body endured and the shedding of his blood, life in every divine form was given to mankind then you have no part in him. You can't, you you know, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. In other words, you can't look at Jesus as just a historical figure that was a good man that lived. But you have to understand when he was on that cross, you were on that cross. When he went to that grave, you went to that grave. He took your death. Corinthians uh, says this. This is in Corinthians chapter 5. So we didn't have to go through that. So as, as we draw near to God, as we seek him first, we do it from our spirits because God is a spirit. You're not going to get near to God through your head or through your body. It's through your spirit. But your spirit, as an act of your will, you yield to your own spirit. And you turn away from the flesh, right? That's faith. So you're turning away from that anxiety, that self-confidence. You're turning to the Lord. And you turn to Him. And they that worship Him or draw near to Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. And this is the true bread of life. This is the true manna from heaven. Moses had natural manna, well, supernatural manna that fed a natural part of man. But Jesus brings us supernatural bread that feeds the supernatural man. Do you understand? If you're hungry, if you're thirsty, come unto Jesus and drink. Stand with me if you would. Hallelujah. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to invite you this morning to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior. You don't have to clean yourself up. You don't have to be holy enough or right enough. You actually don't have the power to be right enough or holy enough. Jesus is everything that's right about God for you and everything that's holy about God for you. And in receiving him, you receive all of that virtue and all of that rightness. If you're here this morning with every head bowed and every eye closed and you'd like to receive Jesus Christ, uh, slip up your hand. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to pray for you. If you're here this morning and uh, you 
have been born again, but you let the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches and other things come and drive out the presence of the Lord in your life, your fellowship with the Lord, and you'd like to come back, slip up your hand. We'd love to pray with you and pray for you. And finally, if you're here this morning and you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit but with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, man, there is a source of power, of intimate fellowship, and of light beyond what you have when you're just born again. And it's called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If you'd like to be baptized in the Holy Spirit this morning, uh, slip up your hand. We'll pray with you and for you. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for bringing us and giving us of your very life and your very nature. Father, we pray today and the rest of this year as we go, Father, that we'll just live this year with a spirit of wisdom and revelation in knowing you, that your word is like a light and a lamp to us, that our path is not confusing, but it's clearly laid before us through the light of your word. Father, we thank you for freedom that comes and only comes through Christ, that when we know him, we know the word, we're free, we're set free. So Father, we thank you for freedom that you give us, that we, we have fullness of life, the abundant life through the word and through fellowship with you. Father, I plead the blood of Jesus over every person that's under the sound of my voice. May what the blood of Jesus has accomplished and what it has done, what you have done through his very blood in every area of our lives be ours. Father, may we come up higher, believe more, act on what you have given to us and what you have done in us. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.